What's wrong with you people? Hello and welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast. I'm Kyle Bierman, and Matt is out this week uh, with some responsibilities at his association. Uh, but fear not, you do not have to just listen to me uh, because we have a very special guest on the show this week. I'm joined by my pastor at Highland Baptist Church here in Lubbock, Adam Pardue, the good Reverend Dr. Adam Pardue. Uh, Adam, welcome to the show man. Uh, introduce yourself. Tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, about your family, and then we'll talk about, uh, we're going to talk today about um, kind of the other side of revitalization and what you've done here at Lubbock um, and and seen the Lord work really over the last 10, 11, 12 years and, and kind of come through some revitalization um, and kind of where where you go once you're on the, the quote-unquote other side of that. All right, so, so tell us about yourself. Great. Well, thank you for having me, Kyle. Uh, you know, we see each other every week. Yep. And uh, so to be able to have a conversation, I guess, being recorded is uh, that was a lot of fun. I appreciate the invite and uh, appreciate the work that you do. And uh, it's, it's great to be here. I, I, I When I think about revitalization, I really think about revitalization in kind of my context. And I think my context in so many ways is that of a, a traditional revitalization that, that you think of in every sense of the word. I mean, Highland is a great place uh, in the heart of Lubbock. 34th and Quaker, I really still see as, you know, in the middle of the the loop, you know, at 34th and Quaker, I see that as uh, kind of the heart of Lubbock. And, and really, you can get anywhere in Lubbock from right here uh, in the heart of Lubbock. And uh, I, I love this place. And it was a church that was... Uh, certainly been around for many years. In fact, we celebrated last year 70 years of existence. And uh, it was a church that has had such a great time, such a great ministry uh, in in our community. And, uh, and then it was a church that certainly had some times where it found itself in some difficulties, yeah. some aging uh and aging in a way that maybe maybe you don't think about, but aging like in buildings and not able to uh, upkeep, uh, aging in some of the ministries and, and maybe not having some of the renewal. But look, Highland has always had great people, uh, great great ministries, uh, great ministers, and uh, and I followed here a long time uh, pastor, Dr. Stan Blevins, uh, still to this day uh, a great a friend of mine, was a mentor to me, and I think it's a little bit unique in the fact that I actually served here at Highland in 1999 as the youth pastor. I am from Southeast Texas. Now, I'm a West Texas boy now, um, (laughs) but I'm from Southeast Texas, so I have to keep some of those roots. Southeast Texas, great Cajun food, um, uh, the oil refineries, um, and uh, certainly Hurricane Alley uh, (laughs) went through all of that, but in 99... uh, Angie and I, uh, we came here and even had our first child here and I served in the youth ministry and then was gone for 10 years. And in about 2011, I started hearing uh, after Dr. Stan had left that they were going to try to go through a revitalization, which I don't guess I really knew what revitalization was that much uh, at that point in time, but it was kind of a reset. And... um, and I became the pastor, and we started that process, you know, for for the coming years. So, so you mentioned um, the church just celebrated seventy years last year. So, 
you came in following a longtime pastor. Yes. How, how long was Dr. Stan? 25 years. 25 years out of the 60 years at that point that the church had been in existence. Yes. Now, this is interesting here because I'm only the fifth pastor in the 70 years of existence. Okay. And the first pastor lasted 18 months. So, <laughs> so you think about that. Okay. Four pastors. I'm the fourth pastor since that. Uh, and I'm the fifth pastor here. And so everybody else over that 70 years, really 68 and a half years, served here in, in wow. four pastors. So you, you had a history with the church, obviously, having served for a few years as a youth minister. But you come back in 2011? Is that 2012. Right? Yeah, 2012. beginning of 2012. Okay. Um, following a longtime pastor who has a legacy, and yet at the same time, there was some revitalization work to be done. And as you mentioned, this is 2012. So this is before sort of revitalization became the hot topic that that it has been Mm -hmm. over the last 10 years. Um, I mean, so, I mean, you you consider all the books that have been written in the last 10 years, those weren't available in 2012. Um, So you you come in, how, how did you navigate following a legacy pastor? um, And yet knowing that, that the church had a lot of work to do to regain some health and some strength. How did you step in as, as a young guy, mid thirties at the time? What was your thought process coming in and, and as you approached that? Well, you can kind of redirect me if I get too far <laughs> off, cause I could talk forever about this. Um, but I think there were a few big, um, really big flags for me and, in, in kind of the go area really. Um, so the first thing is um, everything about the church and what they were going through was was difficult. And, and some of that was even being paraded around that they were brave. But inside the church, you know, trying to do that revitalization and try to to uh, think about how they were going to staff that and what ministries were going to. A lot of that was difficult. And, you know, in so many ways, when I was interviewing, in so many ways, it was like, do everything but come here, right? Um, and yet I just felt drawn. So the first thing was I just absolutely, number one, I felt called of the Lord to be back here. Um, I remember when we left Lubbock the first time, Angie and I didn't believe that we would come back here. And in talking to Angie about the situation, we felt called to be back here. So that that was n- number one. Number two, uh, we really love the people. And the remnant of the folks who were left were people that that we loved, uh, people that we uh, had done ministry with already. Um, and at that time, the church was running about 85% over 65. Hmm. Now you think about that. I mean, that the numbers. So if they were running, you know, a, a, a hundred and forty people, you know, a hundred of those uh, were, were over 65. Um, but, and I would say this to every person who is considering uh, revitalization. It's very important for you to consider that you're doing revitalization not in spite of a senior adult crowd, uh, but with them, with that blessing. You, you, you're, you're making that relationship so that they're, they're part of the vision. They're part of the ride. Not, I think in so many ways, uh, when we talk about revitalization, we, we almost look at it negatively and saying, we've got to do this because that church has gotten old and they're not going to be able. No, we do that um, in in partnership in so many ways with, with those senior adults who, who I, I just loved 
dearly and greatly. And then, well, I think the other major factor for me is I felt it was um, encouraging. I, I thought it was a uh, an opportunity to follow somebody who I truly love in, in Stan Blevins. Um, I, I, I think that he is a man of the Lord. Uh, he had had a long preaching ministry, and we're certainly different. I mean, uh, but we also have some things that, that, that are similar. And, and I just thought that, well, being called and, and doing that, I just thought that was super important. Yeah. And, and if you're listening to this, let me, let me tell you what I've seen Adam do well. We, we've been members here um, right at two years. Um, but we have a whole lot of family, extended family who's been here. So, so we, we've got to kind of watch Highland from afar. Um, one of the things that you've really done well is honored the legacy of, of Stan. And I know there were some changes that you had to make. Um, and and I'm, I'm sure there were some folks who came in and w- when you came in were wanting changes to happen quick, oh, yeah, more yeah, quickly. Yeah. And, you know, we need to stop doing this thing that's been done forever. But if man, if you are in a church and you are following a longtime pastor, um, I'll say I don't, I don't think you ever lose ground or lose credibility by honoring them. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not to say that there probably weren't some mistakes made in a longtime pastor. You know, things that you that should have been done differently. But but man, when you honor your predecessor, that goes a long way. And and when you not only you uh, refuse to speak ill of them, but I think when you don't allow others to speak ill of them, that that goes a long way as well. I just think it sets a bad tone when you spend any of your time yeah. downing historical things. Even if I want to stand in the pulpit and talk bad about the stained glass, you know, for what? <laughs> you know, I, I'm wasting time there. Or to speak bad of a, a past ministry. I mean, that, that's a waste of time. And, and I really think that, again, it's important for us as, as Baptists and it's important for us as Highland to be known for what we're for, not always for what we're against. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not against our seniors, our pastor, our former pastor, the former ministries. I'm just for Highland, you know, yeah. and for what God's doing here and, and, the, and the work that, yeah. that's being done. Yeah. So, so as you look back, what would you say were maybe the one or two big things that you did that set the church up for, for what has become the last 10, 11 years of um, growth and health? So I, I think the first thing is um, stability. I, I think in so many ways when we look at revitalization, you want to have this idea of it's going down and so now we're going to... Co- go up, you know, next week and we're going to, we're going to change music. We're going to change lights and everything's going to be okay. And uh, I don't think it works like that. So when I came in, I wanted to, I wanted to bring some level of stability and, and re-earn some credibility. I mean, there is some credibility coming in that I was already a minister here, but then I also had to earn some credibility because I was the former student minister and that was 10 years ago. And people, Certainly, there were some people who had some. And, and there's a big difference between being yeah, the youth course. guy and the, yeah. the lead pastor. Yeah, yes. Sure. And then, you know, there were, you know, at least there were five staff members that were still here from the time that I was here the first time. I was low man on totem pole then, and now I came in and, and, and was supposed to help direct and um, these staff members. And that, and that was difficult, and we also knew that that was 
staffing was going to change. And so, you know, so many of our books, and, and again, I'm not saying I'm uh, necessarily saying these books are wrong, but in my circumstance, I think it, I needed to be very intentional about the pace that we were making changes because all of those staff members would, would turn over or uh, go to another place. And so that, that, that certainly took some time. And by the way, uh, I would love this to be recorded. It is every single one of those people I loved every single one of those people I was friends with uh, when I was the student minister and I was friends with when, when I got here and yet um, revitalization asks of you things that you don't really want to do. And I think that that's a, that's a big part. You know, there are many things that we're going to do in revitalization that, that, that are hard, that are difficult and you're making decisions and you're, and you're spending time with committees. And, you know, my, my first year here, we've laughed about this. I had 42 personnel meetings first year. Gosh. <laughs> So uh, somebody, somebody just like broke out. Yeah, of the yeah, yes. Listening to that on the, yes. on the show. Yes. Uh, it's not, it's not for the weary, right? You know, revitalization is not for the weary. Um, and, and yet uh, we went through those times and addressing staff and readdressing staff and then uh, addressing finances and readdressing finances. So, uh, so number one, again, I think stability and then, uh, I do, again, I would always go back to um, there's a way to bring senior adults along with you. And, and and I'm not doing that to manipulate senior adults. I love senior adults. Uh, and so I think pastors who are going to do revitalization, they, they better love senior adults. And then third, which I think is critical, and I just threw the senior adults in there because it's that important to me. But third, um, I think trying to communicate the steps. Uh, I, I think revitalization guys need as best they can to have some steps in mind. Take take quite a bit of time to look ahead and then how do we get there and communicate those steps. And frankly, if there's a way to communicate those to your senior adults and let them be part of that process and then as new people come on, I, I, I think that that change uh, happens incrementally but the fourth thing, and I think this is really important, is this is a long haul game, right? This is this is not a quick fix. And I do think there's too many times where we're trying to do a quick fix on churches and that doesn't work, you know, um, especially in revitalization. And so it, you've heard this said many times, it takes a certain amount of time for you to, um, to communicate the vision. Then it takes a certain amount of time to... Um, to begin implementing that vision. And usually by the time you even have gotten to the communication point, pastors are leaving. So yeah, that's a real problem. Um, I've talked about this on the, on the podcast before. One of the things that, that I've seen you do really well um, is the noon Bible study on Wednesdays that outside of staff is exclusively senior adults. And, and I think a lot of longtime senior adults, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the ones that have been here for a long time are, are a part of that. And you, you take that, it's, it's, it's a time for, with, for them to be uh, poured into from, from you, from the pastor. We come in, we sing some hymns that they're familiar with. Um, Kyle but, does a great job of leading those <laughs> hymns. Thanks, but, man. But, but then you also, I mean, if there's some changes coming up or something weird that's, that's happening, you, 
you always go out of your way to communicate that to them. Sometimes before you even communicate it to the larger church body. Uh, I think a um, lot of times before I be, communicate that. Yeah. Because, I mean, I would say we have a pretty contemporary feel here at the church. Worship is, we, we, have, a, we have a worship team that sings a lot of contemporary songs. Um, this is not the same church it was 10 years ago in right. in many ways. And and a lot of those changes have probably come because senior adults are willing to sacrifice and say, yes, we, we're willing to make these changes because we understand that this is going to help us reach the younger folks, reach the community. And so you've, you've done a really good job of pouring into them where certainly those who, who want to be connected are not forgotten. And that's big. And so, Pastor, man, if you are if you're in a church, if you're stepping into a new role, I think what Adam has done here is really really a good model. And that is make, carve out some time to pour into senior adults who are probably sacrificing some comfort um, as, as changes happen, even if it's as simple as, I mean, the color of the carpet. Um, I know when you first got here, the sanctuary had like these burnt orange yes. pews <laughs> and carpet and peach carpet. Okay. Burnt orange peach. pews. Yeah. Ooh, mercy. Um, but it was what they could afford at the time. Yeah. Yes. And but, but even when you have things like that that need to be oh, changed, yeah. there's a lot of emotion that's wrapped up in For the sure. feel of that space. And, and so, you know, if you can just really spend some time, you're going to gain a whole lot of capital. Um, but also, you're, that provides you a really good opportunity to love on some folks for whom change is probably going to be pretty difficult. I don't. I, I tend to think that, um, and, and we're talking about our seniors here. I, I tend to think that seniors aren't opposed to change; they're opposed to surprise. Mm, and so, so if you can communicate that, and by the way, I, I say that with this Wednesday crowd. I also. Uh, do the best that I can w- with our deacons. I try to, yeah. you know, allow our deacons to to kind of hear this. And again, at Highland, uh, and I'm saying this for the record, our deacons they're they're not a governing body. Right. They're they're the chief servants. Yet I still want them to hear from me, so that when that whatever they're hearing outside, they they can address that with some kind of confidence. Yeah. And when they address that with some kind of confidence, and then our seniors addressing it with some kind of confidence. And then, so when I get to the church body, um, probably in any significant decision, you know, we're doing the Family Life Center right now. By the time we brought that to the church body for a vote, you know, 40 to 50% had already heard this. It's already like old news. And when I'm bringing it up in business meeting, the people have already heard it. They're nodding on, yeah, we, we know we know about this. Yeah, 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 yeah this yes. And so they're already influencing, you know, those people. And again, I say this with our deacons. I say this with our senior adults. And then, you know, churches have influencers. And I think the more prep work you can do uh, in some of these big changes, especially in revitalization, the better off you're going to be. So I think what we have here at Highland is really sort of the epitome of that saying that a lot of guys overestimate what they can do in a year Mm. and underestimate what they can do in 10 Oh, and we great. could take. That's good. Um, Did you write that? No, that's good. I like not. it. I like it. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's so many things we could talk about because you've done a complete building remodel. Um, you mentioned the Family Life Center, which was kind of already on the books yeah, yeah. to do. And then on Christmas Eve, we had a uh, fire sprinkler main line bust, and so that that got pushed up a little bit. Yeah. I think from mm-hmm. what we were originally talking about. 
But if you could look back, because we talked about some of the things that you did well, do, do you look back and see anything, maybe one or two big things that you said, I, I don't think I would do that the same way. Oh, that's just, I know. Just pick one or two. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that, that's a, that's a that's a great great thought there. You know, um, so uh, this is a big one. You know, uh, so, this this should make you laugh. But in two thousand and thirteen, the end of two thousand thirteen, uh, uh, my dear friend Alan Fruge, who was the music minister, has has gone on. Um, Maybe 2000, yeah, I think that into 2013. And so I want to try to make the shift from a more traditional service to see what we can't do to maybe make it a little bit more blended. And again, my reasoning behind that always is I want our senior adults, and this is how we communicate it with our senior adults, I want our senior adults to be able to worship with their grandkids. Yeah. And so uh, if if you're going to want to worship with your grandkids, that means there are going to be some sacrifices made. So we started to decide we're going to try to make a little bit of the shift away from the more traditional. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm going to leave out the name because he's a dear friend of mine. He'll probably listen to this. But I couldn't wait to have one of my close friends come in and do worship. And what I was going to do over this time period, over a time period of about three months, is I was going to do a more contemporary service. Then the next week I would do a more traditional service. Then the next week I'd do more contemporary. And what I had in my mind, again, I'm a music guy. You're a music yeah. guy. What I had in my mind is I only wanted to show the congregation quality, not not style, right? So I thought if we could do quality um, you know, mix and it would kind of win out over traditional. And we gave them quality, no question about that. But the problem became is too many of those changes too quickly, specifically on the music. And so I remember the first Sunday we were going to do the quality um, contemporary music. And it was. It was quality. But it was loud. <laughs> I think we danced a little bit. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think it was the first time anyone had ever been on stage in blue jeans. Okay. Uh, the lights were dimmed. And we stood for 45 minutes. I mean, that is the trifecta for sure. And I never considered those things at that time. And again, it was quality, but there were too many quality changes for that. And I can remember the very next Sunday, I mean, the very next day on a Monday Bible study, one of my little ladies comes up to me and I was ready. I was ready. She says, uh, Mr. Pardue. I mean, I was like, oh, I know I'm in trouble now. Mr. Pardue. She said, what was that yesterday? And I said, we're, we're still making some adjustments. Because I was ready. I was like, yeah. we're, stay with us as we make some adjustments. She says, that didn't need any adjustments. That needs complete and total change. That should be garbage. We stood for 45 minutes and I felt the presence of Satan in my legs. That's a true story. And it was to from one of our dearest ladies who I had such a close relationship with. And I... I remember going home that Monday afternoon just defeated. I thought, you know, uh, later on we had a chance to talk about it again, and but I, I, that was that was difficult. Yeah. Um, that was really really difficult. And of course, anytime you uh, have changes from staffing and friends and through the years, I mean, I, I pride myself on um, having relationships with staff, and through the years, uh, 
those kind of things are the most most difficult. Yeah. And and you know sometimes when we like any church had a, we didn't have a lot, but we had a few dear people that I, I thought dear people who just who just were not ready for um, the kind of changes we were making yeah. and 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 didn't necessarily buy into the to the new vision of, and even early on, we, we started with that vision of helping people connect, grow and go. And, and so again, if you're listening to this and I mean, if you're a year or two into revitalization, I think you, you've heard some, some key things that is, don't be afraid to go slow. Mm. Um, but at the same time, even with that, don't be afraid to continue making changes. You, I think sometimes we can say we can almost stop moving forward with, changes that need to happen out of saying, well, I'm just going to move really slow on this thing. You can move slow, but I think there's a, the, the important thing is that you are moving. Hmm. You're not just remaining stagnant. Um, but then also li- listen to the encouragement here after 10 years and, and seeing a building that's been re- uh, um, revitalized in a lot of ways, a major, I mean, upgrade upgrades, yeah. Renovated. Yeah. Yeah. Renovated. That's the word I was trying that wouldn't come to me. I mean, you're talking air conditioning, right? The big things that have all had to be done. Oh, yeah. Um, but then also people's hearts that have been warmed back to the gospel mm. and a church now that is multi-generational for sure is becoming multi-ethnic. Um, and so you are 11 years into this thing here now and, and you're beginning to use that revitalization word again. So talk to us as we begin to wrap up here. Talk to us about why, why that word's making its way back into your vocabulary with Highland Baptist Church. So I think that this is an important conversation, especially for those who have gone into the revitalization process. And maybe you have a couple of big wins, and then all of a sudden you start to to see it go down. And and, and we've all every pastor who is listening to this has probably seen the idea of the arch of growth and the destabilization and the, and the going down. Um, and the hardest thing about the initial revitalization is that when you're dying, it's really hard to turn the ship. Yeah. I don't, maybe dying is, that's a, that's a difficult word, but when you're, when you're struggling and you're, you're going down. So there's been a lot of um, things being written now about, how do, how do you maintain? So I am a believer. I'm going to go on record as saying this. I'm a believer that once you get into the revitalization culture, you're always going to be in some type of revitalization culture. And frankly, we don't we don't name it because it's, you know, revitalization seems like it's a negative thing. But every church goes through some type of we need to make changes here. And so uh, Highland, uh, after 10 years, we certainly had seen some significant things. We've, we've seen over... You know, a hundred people baptized. We've seen hundreds of people uh, join the church. We've seen uh, programs uh, change in effectiveness and, and be effective. And yet, there is um, that desire to say, "Hey, we didn't, we didn't reach the top of the hill just to go back down. We want to, we want to um, continue on that upward trajectory." And so that means we have to make some more changes and change. I believe wholeheartedly is easier when things are going well than they are when you're trying to completely turn the ship. Now, by the way, easier. There are some conversations we've had to have, right? Right. Like, um, Pastor, things are going so well. We're making the budget. The numbers are up. We're baptizing people. Why do we need to make changes? Uh, 
And yet, there's no question in my mind, if we make no changes from this point out, in another 10 years, we might be facing the same kind of downturn. And, the, you know, and so I think it's important to repolish, refresh the vision. And you've heard this going on in our church. We're, we're still talking about the same you know, gospel-centered, great commission, great commandment vision, helping people connect, grow, and go. But we're trying to freshen that up a little bit. Yeah. We're trying to encourage people to share the gospel even more. We're honing in on new ministries, um, and uh, and and again, kind of tr- trying to put everything on the if it needs to change, uh, we'll allow it to change. You know. Yeah, I, I think one of the things you touched on. So, man, I mean, if you ever get to a point in your church where where you say we don't have any more changes to make, <laughs> you're, you're making a declaration that you've arrived at some sort of perfection that doesn't exist. And right, so I think, right. I think that's dangerous because as you said, if, if you, if you hit that point and you're like, man, everything's great. We're just going to coast here. You're going to find yourself on the, on the downhill side of that. Um, and so I think constantly asking the questions, what needs to be tweaked? What adjustments need to be made? That That's an ongoing work of revitalization. Hopefully not quite as drastic as what you may have to deal right. with in the first five years, but constantly, adjusting to make sure that you're in line with God's vision for your community and and things that you are doing are effectively reaching your community as well. You um, know, and status quo isn't what we're shooting for, right. right? I mean, God is an amazing, fresh, wonderful creator. And, you know, uh, we, we've said this in, in meetings we've been a part of, friends of ours are using this, but status quo is this mess that we've made or the mess <laughs> that we're right. in, you know, and... Uh, we don't want to be status quo. We want we want to continue to pursue the thing. Well, pursue excellence. That's what happens everywhere else. And how much greater is excellence in 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 the in the name of the Lord? And it's not about us saying we did it. It's about saying we're, we we surrender to the Lord, uh, and uh, and He allows us to be in partnership. Yeah. That's awesome. Adam, thanks for being on the show today. Uh, hey, thank you for listening. I hope this is an encouragement, especially if you are struggling in those hard days of revitalization and going, man, is this ever going to get better? Uh, I hope you hear um, somebody who's on the other side of that kind of looking back and saying, yes, there are really good days ahead. Um, you can do it, it, yeah. But it requires perseverance and and, uh, and and loving on your people, even when they're not easy to love um, all the time. And uh Hey, thank you for listening. Um, As always, we're we're so grateful for it. Um, And until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. What's wrong with you people?